welcome everybody to the Ground Rule Podcast. Today we're shaking things up a little bit differently. My editor thought that it would be great to share with you guys my story. And so we have Zach with us today. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for all the work that you do. You are the man, Zach. Thanks, John. Yeah, no, I'm excited about this because I think it's just important for people to hear the story behind the voice they've been hearing for the last two months or so. so awesome. I guess com- coming out of the gate, John, I-, I know some of your story and just it's it's kind of a wild one. So my question to you is how did a immigrant kid living in the hood of Miami, Yeah. how did you go get from there to actually having the heart of God for the lost and broken on a global context? Like what was, how did you go from, from A to B? Um, to make a long story short, I was the first one in my family to be saved. And so the church that uh, I started attending when I was young was marked with radical signs and wonders. When I look back in hindsight, I've never seen the extent of miracles I had growing up at that church. So those supernatural miracles marked me. Like, I'll give you one example, okay? 1994. I am new to church. I'm still new to Christianity. Um, I, you know, I just got saved. How, how old am I? Maybe 13 years old. And in 1994, a, a revivalist uh, was the guest speaker of our little tiny Korean church. Okay. And in the middle of one of his messages, he pauses and he's like looking into the sky, like he's downloading something in real time. And then after like three minutes of silence, he looks at the congregation and he says, six months from now, the dictator of North Korea is going to die. And so I'm a brand new Christian. Like I had no grit for this. I had no language for this. All because you didn't grow up in a spiritual home at all. Like Exactly. You were literally a minority in the hood. Yeah. Um, and your home life was not great. Yeah. You probably grew up pretty fast. You probably had a pretty cynical view of life. Yes. And so, and then you're in this, this service and this stuff is happening. I think the Lord knew how to grab my attention when I look back at all of this. So I had no idea what the gift of prophecy was. All I knew was that I had seen this guy at my church hmm. pray for people and got healed. Wow. So I believed what this guy said. And I remember going back to school the next day, telling my friends at school, hey, um, six months from now, the dictator of North Korea is going to die. And everyone looked at me like, first of all, they didn't know who the dictator of uh, you know, North Korea was. You know, but strangely enough, six months later, right? Mm. (laughs) Our youth pastor gives an announcement to our youth group and says, remember six months ago, this pastor prophesied this? And then he goes, well, today it was just announced that Kim Il-sung, the founding dictator of North Korea, died. And it was six months. Wow. So it was things like that. There were many signs like that where the Lord, you know, got my attention and my church 
valued missions and celebrated missionaries. Wow. So that was kind of the, the beginnings of the foundation the Lord laid on my heart. I didn't know what missions was or missionaries were, but it's like if we had a missionary that came to our church, our church made a big deal out of wow. celebrating our missionaries. It made me believe that that line of work yeah. was important yeah. because of the way my church viewed missionaries. So as the years progress, you would go into full-time ministry and missions. What were the key points of the process from you being aware of it and having a value for it to actually embracing it and saying, this is what I want to do with my life? So as I was growing up, uh, the motto for my church was missions is prayer, mm. missions is warfare, and missions is martyrdom. Wow. That's I'm telling you, man, uh, this is my upbringing. And when I was a senior in high school, I was at a critical point in my life. You know, I didn't know it back then, but, you know, you guys in your generation coined the term deconstruction. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that uh, when I was in high school that there were many points in my faith that I was analyzing and processing. And I was at a point where I thought, I know Jesus is real. I know God is real. But Christian life is hard. I didn't have a lot of strong Christian friends growing up. It was just like this constant like... You know, going to the summer retreat, getting on fire for God, and then school starts, and then you fizzle out. Right. I mean, that's like the story of my early years. Mm. And so high school, I was at a pivotal point, and my pastor's wife, she gives me this book by Lauren Cunningham. He just passed away a month ago, the founder of Youth with a Mission. Mm. And she gives me this book by Lauren Cunningham called Making Jesus Lord. And pretty much this book is all about laying down your rights. It was the first time in my Christian walk up until that time that I'd ever heard of that concept of taking up the cross, dying to yourself daily and following Jesus. It was the first time I'd never heard that before. Really? So this book, you know, wrecks me. That book pushed me from being in this environment that celebrated missions, okay. right, where I observed missionaries and, and heard stuff about missions, that book was the launching pad that would eventually be what God used Interesting. To, to, yeah, to catapult me into missions. The basic premise of that book was costly discipleship, costly exactly. sacrifice. Yeah. And I'm glad that that was the foundation of my missional journey. Because hmm. I think if adventure was my foundation, right. Zach, I don't think we would have lasted this long, if I'm being honest. Like, sense. adventure is great, yeah. but that is not enough to sustain somebody on the field with unengaged, unreached people groups, all the difficulties that mm. 
are part of missions, like that alone won't do it. It's it's the cross. Yeah, and so that's good. I thank God that that was the foundation of our missional journey. So we've traveled a ton, uh, leading short-term trips, leading teams, preaching in churches and the nations. Um, but the first time we lived in a country long-term was in China. Right. And so that was years in the making because... I had received a call for China uh, when I was a young single man, funny enough, through another book. And so, yeah, it's strange. Mm. The way the Lord has spoken to me right. and where I've, where I've experienced a lot of life-altering transitions was strangely through books. Interesting. And so this second book was The Heavenly Man which most of our listeners probably have heard of this book or read this book. But if not, I encourage you guys to read this book called The Heavenly Man. And it was through that story, the Lord calls me to China. I never had a desire for China. If I'm just being honest, it was never even a thought. Interesting. And so I read this book. And it talks about uh, the testimony of Brother Yun, the hardships, the persecution that he goes through, and also just the church in China in general, Mm -hmm. because they're living in the thick of communist China. Right. But they're seeing revival. They're seeing thousands of new believers every day. Signs and wonders, which is all illegal, you know, in the communist system. But it... It was like the book of Acts. Like I felt like I was reading a continuation of the book of Acts through this book. And mm-hmm. so I read this book in one sitting, right? I'm so gripped by the story and I'm weeping. Wow. And I get on my knees and I start repenting. And there are three prayers that, you know, I didn't realize, but just immediately came out of my mouth when I was on my knees. One was I was repenting of what a comfortable Christian life I was living. Because, man, this book exposed how controlled my Christian life has been up until that point. Did I really live a life of faith? Was I really living a life of obedience? And I had no concept of persecution. So... Um, I repent. So that's the first prayer. The second prayer, the book talks about this missions movement called the Back to Jerusalem movement. And the basic premises of this movement is that Acts 1.8, where Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this movement believes that since the gospel started from Jerusalem, Mm. that if it goes all around the world and in order for the gospel to spread to the entire earth, it needs to come back to where it started from. Yeah. Hence the term back to Jerusalem. So I didn't know what that was. And then I said, Lord, I don't know what this back to Jerusalem movement is, but I say yes to it. So that's the second prayer that I prayed. Mm. 
Then the third prayer that I prayed was, Lord, I will serve the Chinese the rest of my life. Wow. The, the strange thing is, I didn't know any Chinese believers. I had no connections to Chinese churches, right? These are just things that I felt like, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, praying some of these things through me and that I just bore witness and just declare them out loud. It was kind of like just raw response. Yeah. You were touched and the first step for you, obedience, was just responding to it. Yeah. And, and partnering with him in those prayers that he was, like you said, moving through you. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, exactly. About a week later, someone asks me if I want to meet some persecuted Chinese pastor that fled China that had just come to the United States. And I was like, yeah, of course, we'd love to meet him. I just read this book like a <laughs> week ago, right? Uh. And I'm just given an address, no name, no phone number, uh, no time of day, nothing. I'm just given this address. And Zach, you know, back then, you know, I, you know, I don't know how much I'm revealing my age, but you know, we didn't have Google Maps, you know, things like that. We had this thing called MapQuest where you, you had to print out the directions. So I remember entering this address in my computer and printing it. And, and I went, you know, unannounced, mm -hmm. right? I was just given this address and I go to this house. I ring the doorbell and, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, John, I'm such an idiot. Like, what am I doing? I'm like nervous. Yeah, I don't know what to expect. You're not a very extroverted person, you know? No. So you're probably dying inside. Yes. Ring that doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I ring this doorbell and this elderly Chinese man opens the door. And the moment I see his face, my heart starts pounding like crazy. And I begin to shake a little bit because this man's photo was in the book, The Heavenly Man, that I had just Dang. read a week prior to. And I am just, yeah, shaking with fear and trembling, like, Lord, what are you doing? Yeah. I had no, most people, our, our callings kind of stem from our desires. Yeah. This was not it. I had zero desire for China. Wow. You know, and uh, but we all have to open our there. It could be God where you're given a word and you're like, that's strange. I never right. you know, thought of that. I had zero desire, but right. we all need to open our hearts and just trust mm. that, you know, it still could be the Lord. And that was my case. I think what you're kind of pressing on is the reality that yeah, like sometimes obedience doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's outside of our comfort zone. It's outside our even natural inclinations. Yeah. So then I meet with this pastor, Pastor Peter Shu. So he, there's even a chapter about him in the book, The Heavenly Man. Mm. And wow. he is Brother Yoon's spiritual father and mentor. And, you know, they spent 
time in prison together. Yeah, and in a couple weeks, we will be hosting them at our headquarters here in Port St. Lucie. And so I'm so excited about that. And, so, and this this is 20, like over 20 years, right? This is about 20 years ago. So you guys were in, in China and then you were forced out of China, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were pioneering in China for three years, um, working with the underground house churches in China. I was traveling throughout China, right. doing ministry in the city that we were living in. Mm. And then, yeah, towards the end of three years, people were just banging on our door like late at night. And I mean, we were obviously scared. And my wife was in the kitchen. I remember and she froze and I had to check. And, you know, we had double doors like the like the outside door was this like metal gate mm -hmm. and the inside was the normal wooden door. And right. so I opened the door to see who's like, it sounded like they're going to break down our door. People open the door and I see maybe four men in uniform and wow. shouting at us in Chinese. And uh, I just told them, come back later. It's late. I don't understand what you're saying. Just come back again. And then they were still banging on our door. And then because I wouldn't open the door, they ended up leaving. Later that night, I consulted with a major ministry leader in Asia. Wow. And uh, he told us, you guys need to leave right away. And so, yeah, I mean, our dream was to live there for as right. long as we could, but we only lasted three years. And the thing is, you were maybe on the ground for three years there, but those connections you made in China, those are being sustained and you're able to invest in those even after the fact of being in China. That vow that you made, I will serve Chinese people, that's still happening. I mean, you've seen a lot, like in, in two decades of, of being in ministry, as we kind of wrap things up, something I just want to ask you more related to current events. Yeah. This past year, there has been a lot of turmoil on the earth. There's been significant shakings in the Christian charismatic world as well. As you process these events, looking through the lens of your experience and just what God's speaking to you now, what is something that's giving you clarity for these times and seasons and vision for moving forward? I think what's most important is that we all build a life in God. And what I mean by that is the difference between building a foundation on the rock versus building a foundation on shifting sand. Yeah. And it, it's very clear. Jesus says that the, the man who builds his house on the rock, though the winds, you know, blow hard and there's all these shakings all around like that, that house stands. But the one who builds his foundation and his house on sand, I mean, that house will blow away. Yeah. And so I would say that it's of utmost importance to build a life in God and being founded in, in his word. As the days are drawing closer to the Lord's return, the enemy is, you know, exerting all of his you know, attention and focus and all of that in, in attacking the church, in attacking believers. 
But the good news is, is the Lord told us all, all of these things. He warned us and he mm. gave us solutions. And so that's why I, I don't want to downplay the word, but I just want to make sure that our approach to the word of God is not checking off a list. Right. But it's that we're allowing the word of God to transform and renew our minds and our hearts. Because many people read the Bible for information and for habit's sake. Mm. But we got to get back into the word to read the word for our personal transformation's sake. Like I heard this one testimony of a missionary on the field. You know, she was going through all the typical struggles that every missionary goes through. Being homesick. Um, struggling with language, feeling FOMO, right? Like missing out on weddings and birthdays and all that. But in that place, she has been um, seeking the Lord harder and harder. And one day she's uh, reading the word in the prayer room and she starts weeping. And people could tell that she's been uh, visibly touched by the Lord and they asked her like hey are you know are you doing okay like hey what's going on and and she's saying like she's just so gripped by the love of God you know as she's reading the word right and so fellow missionaries asked her and said what was the verse that God gripped your heart in and she replies just as verse says that and Jesus went to Capernaum and all of her fellow <laughs> missionaries are so confused. <laughs> like, She's weeping over that verse. Right. And so they're asking her, uh, like, am I missing something here? Do I need to read it in another translation? Like, <laughs> in another passion, language? Passion translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, what is it? And she goes, don't you get it? She said, what did the people of Capernaum deserve that the Son of God would visit their town? And she's weeping. Mm. And when I heard this, Zach, I was like, that's how you read the Bible. Wow. Mm. Um, Bill Johnson, he says this, but the Bible is the only book in human history where the author is always with you when you're reading his book. Wow. And I want that kind of life in God that, um, that as I read and give my life to the word of God, that he's, he's gripping my heart mm -hmm. and that he has my attention. And that I'm not just reading it to have information. I'm not just reading it so that I could sound competent. I'm not reading it so that I can give a message. Wow. Like, no, I need my daily bread. I need mm. God's word in my life every single day. And that's the posture that I want towards the Bible. That is good. Because I think in this season, there's a lot of people just reeling from maybe the fall of respected leaders and um, people that they looked up to and were blessed by. And then also just by just uncertainty of the future. Um, recently, you know, a major leader in the body of Christ 
facing serious allegations. And this leader I looked up to just like millions of others around the world. And um, I've been shaken by this news. And honestly, even being borderline depressed. And after some time, I just remember my wife looking at me and she just said this simple phrase that shook me, but set me free. And basically what she said to me was, well, that's what you get for idolizing a man. You know, I was not offended at all. Like It's intense. No, it, it is intense. But those words that my wife spoke to me, it just being so direct, wow. speaking the truth in love, like that woke me up and I repented in my heart. Mm. And I was able to snap out of this funk that I've been in. That's because good. of those words. That's good. And, you know, this said leader didn't invent prayer, didn't invent the end times or bridal identity and so forth. Mm. These are all things that the Holy Spirit has given to the body of Christ worldwide. Come on. And so I think it's time for the ordinary believer right to step into his or her role in full obedience and that god has everything available to all of his children all we need to do is obey and submit ourselves to his word and to his process and i believe god is more excited about using us for his glory than we could ever be excited about right. with our own callings or destinies. And so right. that's my prayer for this generation with shakings and leaders right. and all these things is that we ain't got time for that. Yeah, that's really good. And I think God is looking for ordinary believers. Yep. And so, yeah. Any, any closing things you want to say to our listeners, John? So for those current missionaries, you know, on the field... I don't know you, but God knows you and he sees you and um, he's proud of you. He's for you, even in your weaknesses, even in your struggles. Um, he's for you. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And for those that you're at home or you're on the road listening, thank you for your support for us. I hope this encourages you to maybe support a missionary or to learn more about missions, but it takes the body of Christ to serve the body of Christ, to see the Great Commission being fulfilled and being spread throughout the world. And so, Zach, I'm so excited for next year to finish off the second half of this season of Ground Rule. We have incredible men and women lined up to hear their stories. They're going to share their struggles and their victories as well. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for spreading our humble podcast to uh, your friends. We're praying that uh, this encourages missionaries and just other parts of the body of Christ. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.